Hello and welcome to the latest Clear Cruise podcast. Coming up later, we have the latest from Australasia with Peter Collar. But first, we headed to Bordeaux to speak with the president and CEO of Uniworld, Ellen Betridge. Enjoy. Alan, thank you so much for taking time to join us. Absolutely, Andy. It's great to have you on board. Thank you very much. In beautiful Bordeaux, although not a great morning. Yeah, it'll be sunny by 11 o'clock, I promise. And it's still hot. Yes. It's still very warm. It is very nice weather. Uh, and you, we're on your uh, beautiful ship, um, but we're going to go back a bit, if that's all right. Sure, absolutely. So uh, you started at American Express a long time ago. Yes, I did. As, I a, were... as a travel agent. I did. I was a frontline travel agent there. Um, I, I worked for American Express for 23 years. I'm in the business almost 35, wow. so long time. Um, yeah, I started as a frontline agent. Actually, my first job was actually handwriting tickets. Oh, really? For those of those who remember we, us doing that, handwriting the tickets, do. stripping them down <laughs> with the red all over your fingers. Yes, that was me. And did that travel agent experience change how you became as a leader? I think so. I think I really, you know, once you've walked in someone's shoes, yeah. right, you truly understand the pressure they're under. You understand what they're dealing with with customers and their need to desire to please them and to help them. So I think it really does help. Yeah. So as you said, 23 years at American Express and then on to ocean cruising. Yes. And a couple of big brands. Very big brands. How was that? You know, it was great. Um, I think it was, um, you know, you come from a really large corporate structure like American Express when you go into a family-owned business of yeah. Silver Seas. Uh, incredible brand, amazing luxury ocean cruising uh, brand. Um, but it, So that was a bit of a challenge, I think, that transition. But uh, enjoyed every moment of it um, and learned a lot. Um, I think, you know, you're looking at all the different currencies and the different people, where you're sourcing, where your source markets are. Right. And what's interesting, the difference between ocean and river is actually the UK market, uh, we find is less for us in river, where I saw them as, a, they were a second largest for me um, in ocean. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in the UK market. For sure. Um, how did you, or what made, made you uh, end up in river cruising? I don't think I ever had a plan. I didn't sit here and say, oh, someday I'm going to do this and someday I'm going to do that. Um, I think these incredible opportunities have come my way. Um, I've known the Tolman family uh, since my days at American Express. So right. we were one of their largest customers. We, um, we took on Uniworld as a brand to sell right when it became, you know, kind of popular to sell river cruising. Right. So we started selling them, um, became one of their largest partners. I had the pleasure of actually going to the inaugural of the River Royale back in 2006, wow. which is this ship. Oh wow. So, so this ship was the inaugural. Circle. Full circle. <laughs> so my husband and I came to the inaugural of that ship. It was the first river ship I ever went on. And now here I am. We got to just, you know, just launching Amazing. the ship this year, the super ship Bon Voyage. Uh, did you when you moved into Uniworld, did you bring anything from ocean cruising with you? Um, I think what I brought was some disciplines around revenue management, um, some ideas around how we handle wait lists, um, either overseeing how we can truly maximize the number of passengers. Uh, you know, we're an all-inclusive product here, so there really wasn't some of those things that you could bring on were not a possibility. Right. Um, but I'm always looking at other things that we can do that are creative. Uh, last year, I added something called progressive dining. 
So on our super ships, people can actually go and have a meal in the, they start off in the uh, uh, wheelhouse, then they'll go down to the laundry room, uh, really? and then they'll end up maybe back at the pool. And so they kind of eat part of their meal in all different parts of the ship, but they're usually parts of the ship that you wouldn't have a meal, and you're having it with the captain. How do you do that operationally? That's... So it's only a handful of customers. <laughs> you're, so you, you're invited to go. Right. Um, you pay a small fee, but it's so... just to keep it small and intimate, and people love it. It's very popular. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that Silver Sea was a family business. Yes. This is very obviously a family business. Yes. Does that bring extra pressure in, in some way? Um, different. Uh, I wouldn't say extra pressure. So you don't have a shareholder. You don't have the share. You have shareholders in a different way. So yeah. you're not. You don't have to report to in a, as a public company. But you do have. Um, I actually think it's better with a family company for the fact that they're they're so invested in it, right? right. It's so personal to them. So therefore they want it to be the absolute very best and um, having their amazing support makes all the difference in the world. It's um, a matter of if an opportunity comes up, you can go to them and get, hey, I need a little extra money to this or how about trying right. this? And if it's the right opportunity and they, they'll support you. you. You said in an interview before you were giving some advice around how to be a leader and you said that uh, you should always take a risk. Right. Is risk more difficult for a family business just because you have that personal relationship? Um, I don't think so. Actually, I find it to be actually a little easier in okay. some ways because it's about testing and learning, right? So it's about, I'm a big fan of throwing a lot of spaghetti against the wall. You never know what's going <laughs> to stick. So it's about trying different things. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to have a, sol a solid business plan behind it. You can't be reckless. But at the same time, I think you have to try um, new and innovative things. Um, we have to talk about ship design because it's yes. one of the things that sets you uh, aside from some of your competitors. Um, and Joie de Vivre, was it the first one that really reflected the destination it was based in? So it was very Parisian design? Um, I would go back to the Maria Teresa. Okay. So the Maria Teresa is on the Danube, right. you know, in the region of where Maria Teresa was. You know, she's very Baroque, a little bit. She's spectacular when you're on board, but what's great about it is you feel as though you're in the destination all the time. Because during the day, you're off in these palaces yeah. or off in these abbeys. You come back and you, you feel as though you've never left that. So you've never left the destination. So I think that was really the first one okay. if you go back. Um, but really, all of the ships, when they're building them in a region, they're trying to figure out how they bring the land on board the ship as well. So in Egypt, it's about using all the Egyptian cotton right. and the Egyptian, uh, all the different fabrics as well as the stones, you know, that are all local. And this ship has been very much uh, reimagined, if you like. She has. So, some of the, so what are some of the big things that you've done on board? So she's been completely transformed is probably the word I would actually okay. use. Because when I saw her at the shipyard in February, there was nothing. I mean, she was down to oh, the really? studs, and I walked on board in a bit of a panic if she's ever going to be ready by April. Um, but, you know, we, what we did is we added, um, we only had one suite on the ship, so we've added four suites. Right. Uh, we did, we had a hot tub on the back of the ship here, and we've added this incredible infinity pool. Yes, it looks amazing. It's awesome. Um, just be, can't wait to try it out later this week. Um, you know, we've added in a larger gym downstairs. You must take a look at the yes, gym. It's one of the largest gyms on a river ship. Um, we've added in diff different dining venues. So we have a dining venue here on top deck. Yes. Uh, so during the day, they'll do uh, light, night, light lunches with pizzas and salads and soups and kind of lights so you can hang up by the pool and just have a light lunch. Um, we have a beautiful dining room downstairs. Um, we then have the Cobb de Vin, which is kind of for a tasting uh, menu uh, experiences. Uh, it holds 12 people at a time. Um, and then we have behind the bar, we have a little bistro. 
as well. So, we, so if people will have the opportunity to not just eat in the main dining room. They can actually choose you know, the type of mood you're in for tonight. Do I want something fancy and be in the tasting room? Do I just want to throw, be on my, my shorts and t-shirt and I'm just going to hang out in the bistro? Whatever you want to do. But a lot of people do still think that river cruising has one main dining room Correct. and that's it. Yep. So when, you know, when we think of super ships, it's about having more dining venues, more, more suites and more luxurious finishes. And, and actually, when, again, you said in a previous interview, if you don't feel like you have walked into someone's home, you're not on the Uniworld ship. That's so, correct. And is that design and service and I guess everything? It's everything. It's all of the tiny noticeable touches. It's all the things It's from the hospital. It's the whole hospitality feel, right? So the moment that you come on board, you should feel welcomed. Um, you should see, you know, there's uh, going to be some cookies maybe sitting around, a little, few candy jars. Um, there's always someone there to help you. Uh, it's comfortable. Uh, the idea being is it's supposed to be luxurious, but it's supposed to be comfortable and a little playful. Uh, I mentioned Joie de Vivre before. Was that your first ship that you... That was my first ship to launch, <laughs> yes. And you've done a lot since, so lots of changes. Uh, and I guess you by Uniworld is one of those big changes that yes. you brought in. Uh, how's that? And did that change the industry perception of Uniworld? Um, so U by Uniworld is now has a new name. It's called U River Cruises. Okay, and we purposely, no, that's okay. <laughs> it's good that you brought that up because we actually changed the name. It's important to understand why. We didn't want to compare it to Uniworld. Right. It is a completely different experience. It really is one that is very active, um, very relaxed. Um, so it has a different feel um, than, not as structured as maybe a right. Uniworld vacation would be. And there are several people who've never river cruised that that's what they're gonna want out of it. You know, they wanna do their own okay. thing every day. So we had two ships, we have the A and the B. Yeah. Uh, the B was on the Seine and the A was um, on the, um, over in Eastern Europe. We're now moved both the ships over, so we have one ship that's going to be up on the Danube, and the other one's going to be on the Rhine. Right. And um, it's really because those are both the traditional river cruising destinations, yeah. and so we've rethought some pretty cool activities: a lot of canoeing and hiking and blow carting in, Am in Amsterdam. Uh, so a lot of very cool things for people to do. And and how's the customers' demands on a for a holiday changed? And for both brands, you've yep. had to reflect that. They are. I think you know. Um, I think customers are coming to expect that this is this is what you should have, right? Um, it used to be that if Wi-Fi was included, that was a treat. Now it better be included, right? right? Which of course it is. It used to be that it was a luxury hotel. If you they came in and said, "Oh, what kind of pillows would you like to have?" It's now expected right. that you're going to ask what kind of pillows they're going to have, sure. right? Um, it's so all those things. I think customers have got a different level of expectation. Um, We've also found that customers are asking more for the traveling light, maybe the re more relaxed yoga, having yoga, having um, being really more aware of their wellness okay. is very important to them. Um, which is so on every one of our ships, we have a wellness coach that leads yoga every single morning, um, and then they have they take them out on bike rides, and then of course we have, a, we have a little spa downstairs, and they'll do a nice massage for you. So. And, and people are much more active now than they used to be. Much more active. And we're being, we're being asked for more active excursions every day. And more immersive things. I had dinner last night with some customers um, who've sailed with us four times. And it was three different couples. And just hearing from them is that what they want out of the vacation is more of the unique, immersive experiences. Not the things that are, they could just do on their own.
So they want me to figure that out for them. <laughs> I said, absolutely, that's the you challenge. You can do that. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and sustainability seems to be another given, but yeah. and again, something presumably Uniworld has been working on for a while. Uh, Uniworld really is the leader in this. We started years ago. We actually wrote a paper on it back in uh, 2008 that was published on sustainability on the rivers. Um, and since then, you know, we've taken it very much to heart. So years ago, we got rid of having the plastic uh, little shampoo bottles. So, right. um, so we got rid of those. We've got rid of the plastic water bottles. We actually give every customer a water bottle when they come on board. Amazing. We got rid of the uh, plastic straws. Um, we look at how things are brought on board to ensure that we're not bringing on a lot of plastic. Uh, when your laundry goes back to your room, it's packed up in a beautiful little, um, you know, uh, basket and then clothes are just hung up in your closet. Right. They don't need to be wrapped right. in plastic. Right. So um, just wherever we can we're removing plastic from the chain. Uh, so what's next? You've got some new ships coming. We do. We've got a very busy 2020 <laughs> ahead of us. Uh, very exciting though. Yeah. So we've got uh, on the Mekong, uh, you're gonna have the Mekong Jewel. Yeah. Uh, we've, she's 10 meters longer than the Mekong Navigator but the wow. same number of passengers. Oh, wow. Largest That's suite huge. is 925 square feet. Smallest suite is 325. Wow. She's going to be stunning. Yeah, she's stunning. Very exciting. So she will launch uh, later this year. So it's really, it's for the 2020 season, but with, right. with the exotics, they start uh, in November and December. Yeah. So we have that. We have another beautiful ship that we'll be launching in Egypt. So Egypt has just taken off it, like yeah. crazy. Not I mean, it, the people are actually saying they're having trouble getting space now. So we have this. We have the, the River Tosca there. Um, she'll still be flagged as a Uniworld ship, but my sister brand Insight will be selling into right. her, and we'll be selling the new super ship um, uh, Sphinx. Amazing. Yeah. So that'll keep you busy. Yes, it will. And then we have one in Portugal. Right on the Duro. On the Duro, sure. we have the new ship in Portugal, which will come out in April. So uh, you know, it's, and then we'll have another ship in Venice. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, our beautiful ship in Venice, uh, as you know, had a recent incident. Yeah. Um, but she's uh, will be back sailing again on September eighth, and then uh, she'll finish out her season, and then over the winter she will also get a complete transformation. So. <laughs> wow, we'll keep you busy. Yes. So it's lucky you're here in Bordeaux. So this is the start of your president's cruise. It is. So what happens on a president's cruise? So we just invite our past guests and say okay. to them, "I'm going to be here." And I, I didn't think anyone would want to show up, <laughs> but somehow last but they year did. they all showed up, and we, you know, it's a, I do a little Q and A with them. Right. Um, we have, you know, just to go on excursions with them, and people enjoy just asking me about the company, what our plans are, where we're going, um, and they have to give me feedback on ideas, and some really great ideas come out of it. And you get to experience one of your itineraries, and it's important to experience though. Yeah. It's really important to be on board the ship. Um, to see our incredible crew, um, number one, just to get a chance to thank them, yeah. but also just to understand you know, what they actually go through every day and the amount of work that they do. Well, have a great trip. I will. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. That's nearly all for this week, but before we go, here is the latest from Australia with Peter Collar. Peter. Thanks, Toby. The second edition of Cruise World Indonesia, which is organised by Travel Weekly Asia, this week welcomed close to 200 attendees, which uh, actually exceeded last year's numbers by nearly 50%. Many local travel agents uh, signed up to hear from cruise lines such as Dream Cruises and Royal Caribbean International, as well as our very own here at CLIA, our regional manager for Asia, Miss Jiali Wong, uh, Singapore Tourism Board, as well as the Ministry of Tourism for the Republic of Indonesia. Now, speaking to some of the participants, agents uh, are now constantly getting inquiries from both families and corporate groups over the past few years, which is actually backed up by clear statistics that Asian cruising has hit a record high of 
2 million passengers last year. Now, Indonesia actually moved in within the top five source markets, cruising to Singapore. And according to Raymond Lim, Singapore Tourism Board's Area Director of Indonesia, these numbers look to surge even higher since both Indonesia and Singapore are looking at growing new tourism destinations, including Belitung, an island on the east coast of Sumatra. There was also robust discussion on the various regulations the Indonesian government has implemented to make it easier for cruisers to travel to the archipelago. So the future looks bright for this emerging cruise nation. In Australian cruise news, there was a big announcement from Carnival this week who revealed that with the upcoming opening of the new cruise terminal in Brisbane, the cruise line will almost double the number of year-round sailings to 56 itineraries for the 2021 season as for the first time they'll actually have two ships sailing full-time from Australia, and that's the Carnival Splendour from Sydney and Carnival Spirit from Brisbane. It was only just seven years ago now that Carnival Spirit became the first of any of Carnival's extensive fleet to be home-ported year-round outside the USA when she moved to Sydney. So this is tremendous news for Australian cruising. More cruises locally into the South Pacific and New Zealand, uh, more opportunity and most importantly, strengthening the position of the local cruise industry. That's all from us this week. Thank you to Peter and Andy and, of course, to Ellen Bedridge for joining us this week on the Clear Cruise podcast. But what do you think? Let us know by using the hashtag ClearPod, C-L-I-A-P-O-D. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you're up to date with all the latest from across the industry. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. My name's Toby Cruz. Happy cruising.